This is The Definite Article, a show about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and today. Okay. Okay. This is The Definite Article, a new show about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and and today, my name is Justin Jacoby Smith, and I am here with my fabulous and wonderful co-host, Robin Babb. Hey, everybody. Hey. It's, hey, Robin, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you, too. It is, uh, it's been a minute. I am very excited to be doing this thing, if for no reason besides getting to talk to you more. Aww. I know, I know, because that's the thing, you, you know, if, if nothing else, I, I love that we're doing this just as an excuse to talk to one another more often, because I always have fun talking to you. Yeah, same, same here, and, uh, you know, we've, we've yet to have the, uh, uh, the conversation about your issue with Donald Judd, uh, <laughs> so hopefully that will, that, that will come up at some point. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, in short, my problem with Donald Judd is that he's a fascist, but we're going to have to leave that aside for the moment because we don't have time. We only have 30 minutes. We don't have time Man. to talk about why the, why I think all those boxes equal fascism. We're going to have to come back to that. But I do want to I do want to tell people about why it is that we're that we're doing this thing. You know, we've been talking for an awful long time to one another. And what I've always appreciated about the conversations that we get to have is that um, given that we have similar interests along the lines of different kinds of art, different kinds of, of uh, you know, whether we're talking about writers or we're talking about visual art or we're talking about you know, music or, or different, uh, different sort of creative topics. I think we both approach them from similar angles, but your angle is always different enough from mine that you make me think about things differently than I was before we started the conversation. You know, so I always really appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, definitely same here. And, uh, you know, besides besides thinking this is definitely a worthwhile uh, project to embark on in the first place, I think that you know after after every conversation uh, you and I have, I definitely feel like I have a lot more material, a lot more stuff going on in my head than I did before, and that's never a bad thing. Uh, and and I think especially since uh, part of the perspective I think you're talking about that we both kind of come from is that while interested in all of these creative things from kind of an objective standpoint, we're also interested in them as more or less as kind of creators, as, as you know, people who would like to dabble in the arts and, and writing and different endeavors of that variety. Well, I, you know, and I always, I, I, you, say, you say, you say dabble. And the first thing that that makes me think about is like when people say, when people use the phrase aspiring artist, that drives me crazy. Sure. There's no such thing as an, as an aspiring creative person. You're either creating stuff or you're not creating stuff. You know, it's not a question of, do you one day hope to be creating something cool? It's a, it's a question of, are you putting pen to paper? Are you putting, you know, hand to brush and right. actually working, working on something? And whether it's cool or not, people can judge that later on. And, you know, you always get, you always become more skilled with time. But unless you're actually doing that, then you're, you're never going to be, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't think there's any such thing as aspiring. You're, you're either making it happen or you're not making it happen. It's a yes or no question to me. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people's um, hang up as far as that goes, and it's definitely uh, a hang up of mine, is I, I hesitated for the longest time to call myself a writer uh, mm -hmm. because 
partially just because I didn't want to come off as confident or as established as that title made me sound. Right. Uh, because I am definitely neither of those things. I, I am not, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> I, I certainly don't hate everything I do or, or anything like that, but I, uh, you know, yeah. writers are, writers are Kurt Vonnegut and Franz Kafka. Like that's, that's, uh, that's not right, who I right. am. Um, at the same time, you know, you're right. Once you, once you stop calling yourself an aspiring so-and-so and start being whatever that is, uh, there's a kind of shift that goes on in your mind that I think is kind of what makes you start actually putting pen to paper, putting whatever to whatever. Well, you know, and I, gosh, I don't want to see uh, already we're five minutes in and you talk about confidence and I'm already like wanting to chase, chase that subject because sure. <laughs> we, we have, uh, uh, but before we, before we start going on, on, on tangents, I, I, we did, we did nominally select a couple of, uh, a couple of things that we, we wanted to, to talk about here. Maybe we can, if we have time, we can circle back to, to confidence because I would love right. to, to talk about why confidence is hard to get, but also maybe not as important as some people think it is. Like I think being scared is just, can be just as much of a good driver of, of creating stuff as being confident, you know? Okay. Um, but, but, but we got to come back to that. We, we got to, we got to start, we got to yes. take it from the top. We got to start at the beginning. Yes. You know? Right. And I, and I think it, it's important to tell people, um, you know, the, the, the three people that are listening to this, you know, it's going to be you and me and I, and I assume your mom. Yes. Um, that are going to be listening to hi, this. Part. Hi, 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 Robert. Hi. Um, but I, I think, I think your mom will want to know, uh, why we decided to, to give the program the name that it has, why we're calling it, uh, the definite article. Um, and I, uh, so I was kind of digging around, you know, the name, the name just sort of, just sort of sprung to me, you know, the definite article just kind of jumped into my head when I couldn't sleep one night, but I dug around a bit and, you know, cause it stuck out to me as, as a workable title for a program ostensibly about, you know, talking about articles about, uh, our subjects about creativity and the process of creation that are that are interesting to us. So that seems like sort of a cute punny title. But I dug I dug a bit, and I found this terrific definition of the the grammatical the various sort of grammatical meanings of the phrase definite article, like what the function of the definite article in the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, so I was looking at it, and there was some stuff that I thought was really interesting, and because I, I, I think to varying degrees, all six or seven of these different definitions sort of, sort of touch on uh, things that that I think speak to part of why we're part of why we're doing this. Uh, and I so I, I want you to uh, you know I want to kind of hear your thoughts on this. I thought maybe I could I could read one, and, and maybe you could read one, and we could kind of kind of jump off from there. Sure. So the the first one on the uh, on this article that I that I spotted uh, w- was that the definite article is used to refer to something which has already been mentioned, something that's already been mentioned. I I think that you know as much as I I think we do have interesting and insightful things to say. I mean, otherwise I did I wouldn't think it was worthwhile to do this. I also think that like that we're probably going to say some stuff that other people have said before. You know. Sure. Um, but that's okay, I think. How often is it that that somebody new encounters an old idea for the first time? I mean, even though we're sort of discussing ideas that people may be familiar with to some degree, I certainly hope that we're going to be able to kind of put our own our own stamp on these notions and uh, and talk about them in, in an interesting way and hopefully get people thinking about them in a way that's different from the way they were thinking about them before they sat down to, to listen to uh, listen to the program. I'm talking, of course, when I say people, of course, I mean your mom. Right. Hi, mom. Hi, Ravazov. Speaking of tangents, that's already got me thinking about uh, how we definitely need to talk about 
originality uh, and how it's kind of complete hogwash. Originality. <laughs> Got it. Do you have a dictionary definition? I no, I'm, I'm writing it down for, oh. for, for a later discussion. <laughs> Good. Yes. That's the circle back around thing. Uh, I'm uh -huh. glad that you are taking the notes because as you have recently learned, I am incapable of doing more than one thing at once. So, uh, that's good that you're Sna doing that. You're well, you're, you're capable of, of snacking and talking at the same time as what I've learned. You're really good with, um, really good eat with eating popcorn while you're on a Skype call, I've realized. Well, my mom didn't need to know that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that's wrong. Okay, second definition of a definite article, the, the definite article. When both the speaker and listener know what is being talked about, even it even if it has not been mentioned before. And that's, especially these first two definitions, I think point a lot to the, uh, the little intro tag that we've got there at the beginning, which we have not yet decided if we're going to stick with or not. Uh, kind of looking backward and looking forward um, to creative people and creative processes, 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 uh, process eyes, process I, uh, from from the past and things that are happening now or that are looking towards the future. Um, that's, you know, if, especially for creative endeavors that don't really have a name yet. You know, people are always talking about mm. uh, the, the, the job you get, you know, the, the job you start working on might not have existed five months ago. Um, mm. That's very much the same for for all kinds of art, uh, all kinds of creative things, um, they're original in the sense that uh, even even though maybe their parts are not original, they're kind of a new conglomerate of these pre-existing parts. Well, and there was uh, one of the other definitions that 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 stuck out to me here, or rather there was, there was a, a set rather, you know, we talked about one and two, there was three, four and five all kind of rolled together nicely for me, I think. And it speaks to the point you were just making, you know, cause you're talking about, um, you, you know, you're talking about the way that, uh, that things are sort of, are sort of conglom conglomerating, agglomerating. Is that, is that a word? Sure. Agglomerating. So the next set of definitions, uh, you know, it's, we use the definite article to refer to things that we regard as unique or to refer to uh, superlatives like, you know, the world's tallest building or the real thing. Um, and I, I think that that's important because some of the people that we're going to be trying to highlight on this program, they're going to be people that are that are the best in their fields. They're going to be in a class of their own. You know, they're going to be the kind of people that are worth taking a close look at, uh, which, you know, when you talk about the, the genuine article, the real thing, the definite article, you might say, for example. Sure. Um, you could say that. Given that part of what we're doing is, is like I say, taking a microscope to the best work of people that we admire, we're going to be taking a look at um, these particular people that we regard as unique because they are so superlative to the great, um, you know, which which I think is, uh, I, th I hope is going to be as interesting for other folks as I expect it will sure. be for us. Yes, uh, definitely my hope also. This could very easily turn into just uh, Robin and Justin drive time. Making the fart making, jokes. Making fart jokes, yep. Making the fart. Uh, I mean, well, you know, this what you got to, you know, the, it's, it's hoosteen.net slash, slash de, de yes. fart. 
It's 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 as they say as they say in the French. It's de fart. Yeah. So Donald Glover, the comedian, actor, extraordinaire, musician, uh, Renaissance man of our era, uh, mm-hmm. I, who I, I kind of like. If you can't can't, can't tell, um, his original mm-hmm. Twitter handle was uh, Don Glover, and he was quickly began wondering why so many uh, what appeared to be gay porn sites were following him. Um, okay. And then realized that Don Glover is also Dong Glover when there are no spaces. <laughs> ah, yes, uh, of course. And that became very problematic See, for him. This is this is why it's important to, to pay attention to the, to the niceties of punctuation, my friends, is because when you don't include uh, you know, you, when you don't mind your spaces, when you don't mind your definite articles, and you wind up with people thinking you're a dog lover, and you may not be a let's, dog lover. You maybe let's are. Not make this a grammar show. <laughs> okay, um, I'm 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 not I'm hey I'm not some some kind of some kind of grammar. I'm 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 no grammarian soldier in the grammarian army. Don't 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 cast asparagus on me. <laughs> cast well, so, asparagus. We got to. You got stop casting asparagus. I mean, we got to talk about yes. these articles, uh, you know, because this essentially is a program about articles. Where we're going we to like, talk right? about things. Um, yes. Yeah, we got to talk. So we got to talk about these. Uh, talk about these articles. And uh, by, by the way, this seems like an appropriate moment to point out that you can see links to all the articles we're about to discuss uh, at the URL for this particular episode of the program, which, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, is hustine.net slash defart or d e f a r t. Uh, and then it'll be defart slash one. That'll be the URL for this episode. It's again, hustine.net slash defart slash one. And so there you'll see links to every one of these articles here. And do you want to take it from the top, Robin, with the, uh, the, the first article you highlighted from Medium? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the Medium article, which is a, a site, by the way, that I have, I've really been frequenting. Um, I just really am in love with the layout of it. And all the contributors are pretty, pretty quality stuff as far as I have seen. Uh, I take that back. There's, yeah, there's one they've... article that I think is complete crap, but we can talk about that later. Um, okay, it's it's it, I like you know like you, I like the design and I and I I like I feel like they've got a really innovative model for getting contributors too. I, so I think they're, it's a pretty interesting site. I, I I like that you were able to spot this yeah. one too. Yeah, we can um, talk talk some more about. Uh, websites we love um and i'm sure there will be a lot of that <laughs> i'm we, we we love we love websites we love that's the thing webernets all mm-hmm. of the webernets so a new wave of women's pages is the first article that we were going to talk about and this is on medium.com um it's in it's in their their category lady bits which I see that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how I, how I feel about that uh, header or category, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writer of this article seems to be okay with it, Fair but uh, she is she is talking about the uh, the previous existence of uh, quote unquote women's pages in uh, in many print publications that uh, they they still do exist and. The one example she gives of a New York Times story that placed um, an article about women in tech in the style section 
Uh, that that's mm-hmm. that's pretty shaking my finger at you, New York Times. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they care uh, what I think. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's actually kind of interesting that you say that you think it's important to have dedicated space for those those kinds of issues because I I kind of feel like that's not exactly what what she's arguing um mm-hmm. i think and and i agree with the fact that now that there's just such a wealth of uh publications of outlets for media each each outlet is more able to be niche to to serve a certain niche and that way there there doesn't have to be on any one publication, any one outlet. There doesn't have to be sidelined issues or sidelined articles. Everything is mm-hmm. central, is a headline, is front page. Um mm-hmm. and uh so so that way, um, you know, if you if you want to go read about women's issues or or gender issues or feminism, you can go to uh, www.women.com uh, is that I, did you check is that no a real idea. thing um, <laughs> it probably is I mean I, you know in 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 deference to your point I'm sure women.com is a real I'm thing I'm sure it is that being said uh, whatever is on there don't hold me responsible for <laughs> the content it's the the, the, the webernet is a, is a is a wild and dark it place sometimes, sometimes. Well, so so what so what for you was the was the the nugget of this article that that you really were able to kind of sink your teeth into? Um, well, what she's I should actually find out the uh, uh, the author's name. Uh, I'm not even looking at this on the webernets. I am looking at it on. Evernote, because Evernote has this handy little feature where you can highlight articles from the internet, and it's really nice. Man, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about about the like tools that we use for yeah, like stuff sometimes. I, I mean, I I hear what you're I hear what you're getting at as far as the um as far as the fact that the sort of democratization right of uh of publication to a certain degree allows anybody, of course, women included, to create the space that they want to exist in order to to place their concerns front and center. I mean, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm hearing. Adrienne LaFrance is her name. Okay. okay. That that took too long. Um, Adrienne <laughs> LaFrance. Well, I'm just trying to cut it out. Um, so, I guess, I mean, my thought, and I, I, I think this is her thought, too, is that... Um, sidelining or even highlighting uh women's issues or you know any any kind of uh more niche issue is kind of equivalent to cordoning them off or um maybe making making them appear more different than they actually are and i think that's a little counterproductive mm. like this is a drastic example, but like the first thing I think of is Indian reservations um, and how uh, 
Uh, right. You know, that's that's a, definitely a variety of cordoning off or sidelining, um, and it mm-hmm. certainly doesn't. <clears throat> it's certainly not a privilege for them. Um, hmm. Right. Right. I see yeah. what you're saying. And so, so I think that, um, at least to me, the idea of the idea of specific outlets that address very specific topics as opposed to you know the the weekly newspaper that tries to cover a little bit of everything under the sun i think first of all that's what is more prevalent and becoming more prevalent and i also think it's just a better idea uh because if you're one one outlet trying to cover everything under the sun you're not gonna do a very good job covering everything under the sun well Mm -hmm. right um and and i think that's why i mean that's that's why niche publications exist now now is that is that related to what to it to why niche publications exist are those connected in some way or Nietzsche jokes. <laughs> okay. Well, again, um, again with the Nietzsche jokes already. It's just. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this this article that I uh, pointed out. Yes, the, me too, uh, for sure. Yeah, there's so there's this article on Slate um, called called "In Defense of the Drunk," um, and I mean it's it's actually in defense so, of I, drunks. There's there's no there's no oh, is that, did I get it? There. That I, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I got the title all wrong. Um, I don't know why I, I just threw a definite article in there. I was just so excited really? about the program. Um, yeah, that must be what it was. Uh, basically, it's an article where the author is, um, is defending uh, the folks who choose to uh, make uh, inebriation via drinking their primary mode of uh, sort of dealing with the challenges in the world. Uh, you know, the, sort of the the thesis of the article is, hey man, how come drunks get all this flack when we're totally down with people popping pills all the time and people doing various other sorts of various other sorts of what do you call it? schedule uh, schedule type two substances schedule two substance type no type two is diabetes that's a yeah. different thing um you know people doing these these schedule two substances as you say um I but so kind of my here's my problem with this is that the this guy is is positing woman. that first of all the drunks are uh, I'm sorry you're right this woman <laughs> is positing because the author's name is Christina Nering. Sure. Uh, and this was indeed posted on on Double X, which is the 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 women's space on Slate, which which uh, which is perhaps problematic that that Double X is is a thing that's its own space. Um, but the notion by the author here um, is, is yeah, is essentially that uh, is that the drunk is consistently under attack um, by a culture that elevates these uh, these sort of creative individuals who. Are uh, who are choosing instead various other kinds of substances, uh, you know, and and she she quotes she says what's the what's the cliche of the lazy and lonely drunken artist? She says take the case of one of the most maligned of the last century to famous poet drunkards, Dylan Thomas. Thomas may have been miserable off and on, but he was never isolated, rarely depleted, and arguably never depressed. Uh, he, he says and she says here that it's a sign of our times that that uh, that Dylan Thomas's colleagues today are so often vituperatively dismissive of his life, accusing him like the unnamed editors of Wikipedia of having a relationship that was defined by alcoholism and was mutually destructive. Um, 
and so the, so she's sort of defending Dylan Thomas and others like him who are sort of under attack ostensibly uh, by people who are sort of saying, "Hey, well, it's it's a it's a, a bad thing if you're it's if you're drunk, but it, it's okay if you if you prefer some other substance. That's that's all right." And this just kind of this kind of stuck in my craw for for a couple reasons. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, the the notion that drunks are especially attacked over uh, various other sorts of uh, various other sorts of substance abusers in the creative uh, in the creative space. God, I sound like a startup guy uh, in the cre- in the creative uh, world. Um, you know, I I don't really buy that. I don't really I don't really believe that uh, that people that are uh, that choose to drink a lot uh, are more maligned than others right. when it comes to when it comes to creating stuff. I, I t- actually tend to think that they get off easier. I think there's a much bigger stigma around uh, around other substances of choice than there than there is around the drink. I mean, how many how, back into the back into ancient Greece? How many odes are there to to the to the wonders of wine? Sure. You know, um, I, I I don't think that there's anything like a serious stigma attached to to drunkenness. Um, you know, especially as an influence on the creative process, as as the degree to which there is around other substances. But um, but I also sort of I have a serious issue with this notion that you need to be in some way incapable of dealing with the world as it is in order to be a successful creative person, you know, um, that you need to rely on a substance of some kind in order to make your way in the world successfully and, and, and to be inspired creatively. You need to be, uh, you know, she's ostensibly defending drunks and she's saying, well, hey, you pill poppers are bad too, but this sort of unquestioned presupposition of the whole thing is that, um, is that, Creative people need to be doing one of these things in order to be, uh, in order to be successfully making things, in order to be successfully uh, critical of the world around them, in order to be successfully capable of processing, you know, the world as it is. And I just don't buy that. You know, I, I, I just think that I, I think that's BS. I don't. I mean, how do you feel about this? Like, I know, I know you read it too. I, I want to hear your thoughts sure. on it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of on the same level with you. Uh, there, yeah, she she definitely doesn't even question the assumption that some sign, some type of substance abuse is going to happen uh, in any given individual life, uh, which you know it, maybe <clears throat> that's certainly the majority or a, a good fraction of people will have a a substance of choice. Um, I have to have my coffee every morning to function correctly right um well i'm just you know i, I want to be careful to sort of sort 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 of pull a johnny cash i want to like walk the line here a little bit because um i want to make i guess clear that i i'm not saying at all that i think that it's problematic that there are people that that do have these challenges and do have these difficulties i just think it's important that we don't romanticize it that we don't uh allow these sort of um, these sort of challenges that people face, and the way that they chose to deal with them, whatever that way may be, to become these sort of totem poles. You know, um, I mean, you think about somebody like uh, you know, we talked we've talked a lot about, of course, about like Hunter S. Thompson, or the, but there's even other people like you know, like Bukowski is one of my, you know, and it's sort of a sort of a controversial choice in some circles, but Bukowski is one of my favorite poets, and um, you know, and I think that. 
even he recognized that he had sort of come to be defined by uh, by the fact that he chose to deal with his difficulties using mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, um, and that it had sort of become this box that he had written himself into, um, you know, and, and and I think that there are so many people now, you know, today that are trying to write the next great. Uh, epic of you know maybe not maybe not an epic nobody's trying to write the epic of Gilgamesh again but you know people are trying to do interesting creative work especially in the realm of poetry it's very easy I can you know name a few off to- name a few well, I won't name them because they're friends of mine <laughs> but I can name a few people that um, that seem to think that that by leaning on uh, by leaning on alcohol you know that that sort of gives them a grist for the mill. You know, um, but I, I think, I mean, even, you know, I like Heming- Hemingway said at one point that like, you got to write drunk and edit Sorry. sober. Um, and and I, and while I hear that to a certain degree, I, I, I understand like you have to, lo- you know, it helps to be it helps to lower your inhibitions and, you know, and write a little bit more right. freely. Like I, I get that. But but that in itself has created this sort of totemic tower of. Uh, of people thinking that the recipe for writing like Hemingway is is drinking a bottle of red wine before you sit down to the keyboard, yeah. you know, um, and I just I, I think the people that are that are running down that rabbit hole like that's where creative success is are going to not only be very disappointed but they're going to end up leading very damaged lives. Sure, you know, and and I I think that by allowing that presupposition to creep into this article i think the author's kind of doing everybody a disservice by not even calling that into question Mm -hmm. yeah and i you know i want to second your uh walking the line uh by by saying that you know at least i am certainly not knocking or or saying that uh that you know any any kind of substance use is um is is awful or or necessarily harmful to one's creative process uh i guess i i I just would say that like you said there's no there's no recipe of of things that's going to make you better at writing painting whatever um and that uh everyone is certainly different in those aspects and that I mean, you know, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and I think one of yours also, is um, the idea that creative people have to be self-destructive at all, um, mm-hmm. because I, that's just not true. Uh, it's yeah. it's really not. Well, you know, and just the fact that there are people that will that will chase after this sort of vision. You know, thinking that that is that that is the way to create something great, and how often is that? Does that vision amount to self destruction? Sure. You know, how how often does that vision amount to, you know? But then again, maybe it's not even about self destruction. I mean, there's this other article that you highlighted here. Um, you know, the the daily routines of famous writers. This is a pretty this is a pretty well known article from Brain Pickings, sure. I think. Um, but I I think this sort of speaks to the same thing, where it's like. Whether it's you know, hey, maybe if I drink a whole bottle of red wine and then sit down at the typewriter, I'll be able to write. Uh, uh, write uh, the sun also rises. You know, I think in the same way, people also sort of fetishize uh, 
the daily, you know, whether it's the daily routines or, you know, when I was in high school, I insisted on wearing Hawaiian shirts and a bucket hat because that's what Johnny Depp did in the, in the Fear and Loathing movie. And I thought, hey, if I wear a Hawaiian yep. shirts and a bucket hat, uh, I mean, I was also a weird kid, so that probably had something to do with it. But, yeah, you know, I think there's this notion that if you, if you just wear the right hat, and if you just sit down at the right kind of typewriter, uh, you know, if I just type on the same endless scroll Jack Kerouac used for On the Road, then I'll be able to write something as as moving and important. Um, you know, but I just, I mean, I don't buy that. But I, but I know that, I know that you have I know that you have kind of a more complicated relationship with the whole notion. I, what, can you talk about this article? Maybe I mean, I'm sure there are people that, that don't know this thing. Oh oh the uh, the brain pickings. Um, yeah yeah it's. Brain pickings is great. I love I love brain pickings, and this article is probably the most um, known, most frequented one on the site. It's just kind of a, a little compendium of quotes from books and letters and articles about uh, different famous writers' routines, um, and you know the idea there there's there's nothing saying uh in this article oh if you repeat these routines they then you will be a writer like uh like Ray Bradbury or like Susan Sontag or Joan Didion there's there's nobody telling you that certainly but um just the fact that it exists means that people are interested and, mm-hmm. and want to I I can understand. I I like knowing um what, you know, what what Joan Didion was thinking when she wrote Slouching Towards Bethlehem and and what she, you know, did when she woke up in the morning. Uh it's 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 interesting to know about the people that you idolize or whose work you enjoy. Um but I think certainly that there's kind of an outer limit to that being useful. Um, I think that it it can, it can become very circuitous and very, um, like, like you're saying very much, what hat do I wear? What typewriter do I get? Uh, Hmm. because, that's not what being a writer is in the end. It's not what hat you wear or what typewriter you have. Uh, and, and it can sometimes lead people to believe that when they read things like, this is what hat I wore and this is what typewriter I used. And I wrote right. uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Therefore, you should do it too. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I'm actually I'm looking at the at the article here, and I was just talking about if I sit down at the typewriter like Ernest Hemingway. Apparently, he actually famously wrote "Standing," sure. which I which <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't remember that. But I'm, you know, it's. I think that there is something valuable to take from this stuff, only, but not because it's magical. I think I think what we can take from this stuff is very sort of sort of pragmatic tips on accomplishing creative work. And I think, it's, I, I mean, I understand why this is such a popular article. I think because, I think some I think some people appreciate it for the wrong reasons, but I also think that there's a lot of positive things that can be taken from, from looking at the, you know, whether it's the daily routines of writers or the 
uh, the, the sort of productivity ticks, you know, because uh, just looking at how uh, somebody like, oh, like you say, Joan Didion or, uh, or Ray Bradbury, you know, looking at how they write can give you a sense of how to, whether it's just how to structure your own day. Oh, I need to get up earlier and make sure that it's the first thing I do in the morning or, um, or whether it's advice about how to approach the craft. You know, I think that, you know, and, and by, and what that may mean is, is, you know, clearing your, clearing your entire space of, uh, of distractions and bright colors so that you can focus on the blank page in front of you. You know, I think that there is something very valuable to be taken from, from this stuff. I think it's just, we have to be sort of conscious and aware of the danger of, of, uh, getting too close to it. Sure. And yeah, I mean, especially coming back to the in defense of drunks, um, I'm certainly not arguing that finding the ideal frame of mind to be in, to be creative is not a worthwhile pursuit. I think that is a worthwhile pursuit. Uh, I just think that it's secondary to the actual creation of the stuff, the writing, the painting, whatever. Um, my, I think my favorite thing in the Brain Pickings article is the quote from E.B. White, um, who says there's a there's a great little picture of him holding a dachshund and he just looks charming as I'll get out uh, as he does and he says a writer who waits for ideal conditions uh, under under which to work will die without putting a word on paper uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of exactly what we're what we're getting at um, if you uh, if you have to have X amount of drinks and the specific hat to function properly to make your work. Uh, there's, you know, the question there is, um, are you actually creating, uh, what is the question there? Justin, take it away. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's actually, are you creating something that you find worthwhile, something that you believe in? You know, I, that to me is is the important question is whether or not whether you're just going through the motions that have been laid out for you by somebody else in some programmatic way, mm-hmm. or whether you're creating stuff that you think matters. You know, uh, and whether or not other people think it matters, that's a separate question that can you know that you can deal with at a separate time, like a good like a like a good editor. You know, but um, but as far as getting stuff down on paper is concerned, I think the most important question is whether it matters to you. You know, and not whether what you're producing is the product of the right set of circumstances, the right, uh, the right, uh, sort of, uh, sort of objects and totemic, uh, d- totemic little pieces around you on your, you know, having the right tchotchkes on your desks, sure. as you say. Um, ch- is that tchotchkes? Ch- tchotchkes is the sandwich place. Yes. Tchotchkes is not a sandwich place. Um, you don't have to go to the sandwich shop to, to do your writing. Our first sponsor is... <laughs> Chotkeys. Chotkeys sandwiches. Yeah. Well, we I, I suppose we can we can have Chotkeys uh sandwiches uh sponsor us in the in the future. We'll see if I see if I can't send send them a uh send them a, a business development email, you know. Uh just kind of get re, you know reach out as we as we say in in the blogosphere. Right. Re, reach out and um see if we can't have our our good friends at Chotchkey's sandwiches uh surround us with sandwiches so that we can really create something worthwhile. Um you know, next time, next and next time, Robin, that we sit down to record one of these programs, I would like for both of us to be surrounded by chashki sandwiches so that we can, 
um, really make make something that that we can all believe in. That's what it's about. That is that is certainly what it's about. That's the dream. We, you know what we could do is we could create a create a sort of bridge because you know here's the thing, Robin, is that I never come see you in Chicago. So what we need to do is create a bridge of sandwiches between here and Chicago, so that I can so that I have a bridge I can walk across to come to come visit a little sooner. Are you gonna Are you gonna help me do that? Are you gonna help me build the build build the sandwich I bridge? I think Chachkis has got that. Uh, I don't think they need my help. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that an item on their menu? The, the, the sandwich bridge, bridge of sandwiches. Okay, I think I think we may officially now have a title: the, the bridge of sandwiches. Um, <laughs> Good. E- either yep. that, or either that, or or, or the, the elements of style by drunken whites. I'm gonna have to. Uh, gonna... I love. I love. Gosh. Okay. Well, so you know, for 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 the first depot. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we did all right. I think we do. Have, we definitely we 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 went a little long. We stretched sure. a little. We planned for planned for thirty minutes. It's a little closer to a little closer to an hour. That was a ballpark, anyway. You know. You know they they sell uh, they sell tchotchkes at the ballparks. It's um it's a little pricey though. You, you got to get like the you got to get like the nine dollar beer and the twelve dollar sandwich bridge. I like to get the it's... knockoff tchotchkes at the knockoff ballpark. Uh, <laughs> is that what the uh, the proda and the uh, and 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 the cooch handbags play baseball against each yes, other at the knockoff exactly. park? It has uh, clearly become a new uh, favorite pastime of mine. Uh, speaking to you, Robin Bab, I enjoyed doing this, Aww. and and I look forward to doing it again next week. Yeah, I am really glad we decided to do this, Justin. Yeah, this this was fun. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing this thing next week, and I hope folks tune in. Do you want to uh, reiterate where folks can find this episode at, Justin? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, so you want to go for this episode to hoosteen.net slash defart slash one. That is where you will find episode one of the definite article. And, and thank you again, Robin, for doing this thing. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy being able to, to chat with you for fun. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, so I will, in that case, uh, I guess, Robin, see you next week, and I look forward to it. All right. See you next week, Justin.